The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. After John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in the boat mending the nets. Immediately he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. This week, we had the first of the five classes that I am teaching in conjunction with Rabbi Jay Rosenbaum through the JCC. It's a group of about 20 Christians and 20 Jews coming together to learn about the history behind our shared faiths and the divergences. What became apparent immediately is that we have so much language to unpack and explain together to each other. Within minutes, there were questions about what is a rector? What should they call me? And so on and so forth. Jay got questions such as what is the Tanakh? And we found ourselves swimming through the waters of translation, starting to try to understand one another what our liturgies are, what our words are that we ascribe to each other. One of the questions that came out has stuck with me since that, that class. It was a question that asked about what exactly is evangelism versus conversion versus proselytizing. It was framed in some way in there in the midst of those words. And it's a question that Jay and I have spent a good amount of time talking about in preparing for the class. Because conversion has such a negative history within Christian and Jewish relations. Because Christians have spent an enormous amount of time trying to convert the Jews. And those conversions have not always been and rarely have been voluntary. Christianity has a bit of a negative history when it comes to conversion into evangelism. And that is what I think of as soon as I hear this gospel. Drop your nets and I will make you fishers of people. So often within the church, this gospel is used as a call to evangelism, a call to convert people. Look at the imagery of fishing entrapping an animal to catch and to consume. It's not all that pleasant of an image of how we want to coerce people into Christianity. We don't want to coerce people at all. And yet that has been the history. We've seen it through missionaries and colonialization. The history of doing this work and how this gospel has been used has been dangerous. When we assume that this text or that any text calls us to go out 
and to make more Christians, we are entering dangerous waters, not only of history, but of textual interpretation. What exactly is the gospel calling us or asking us to do? The thing is, with this particular text, I'm not sure Jesus was at all focused on us going out to convert anyone else to this belief system, despite the many ways in which we've used this text to uphold that practice. Interpreter and theologian Ched Myers proposes a different way of looking at this text. We have to situate it within the economic structure of the world and the time of these particular fishermen and Jesus. To be a fisherman was to be a part of the economic world in which they lived. It was to participate in taxation and in the whole system which supported not only one's family, but supported the government, the Roman Empire. To be a fisherman was to participate in the status quo of how the world functioned, of how money functioned, how taxation functioned, and how the Romans functioned. When Jesus calls them to come and follow him and he will make them fishers of men, the text is focusing not so much on those whom they will fish for, but on themselves and what they are being asked to leave. The text is about them. The text is about us. To lay down one's nets, to stop fishing for fish, that is to stop participating in the economic situation of their world. It was to disassociate and disconnect from the way in which money, taxation, and structure controlled their lives. To do that would require a complete shift in how one lives, to change their own financial fortune, to change the way they interact with their neighbors, with the ruling government. This is about how Jesus was calling the fishermen to live within their own world. It was not about these other unknown, unnamed people to bring into the fold, but about bringing these fishermen into the fold, to bring them into living in the world of Christ, which is in many ways rejecting the way in which we are accustomed to living. Now, what if this text is about us? Not sending us out on some mission to grow the church, to entrap people into the pews, to make our numbers bigger, to make more people profess the faith of Christ, but instead to ask us to actually be Christians, which calls us to live our lives in a way that is so often counter to what the popular world would have us living it. Jesus rejects the way in which we are controlled by economics, by power. Jesus rejects the way we become slaves to money and accumulation and wealth. 
the foundation of the gospel is to live our lives like Christ. And in doing that, we are fundamentally being asked to change our relationship with money, with acquisition, and with how we live our lives. Jesus is asking us to worry about ourselves and how it is that we will live. For me, this is aspirational, not an actuality. I know personally, I still live in a world where money and things can cause stress and worry, scarcity or abundance. It is aspirational to live in the way that Jesus calls us to let go of that relationship with economics that we believe upholds us and will save us. As a community, we are being called, probably aspirationally, but maybe even more achievably, to live in a way that is a different relationship with what the markers of success are. This is appropriate as we'll next week have our annual meeting. We'll look at budgets and income. We'll look at what we're able to do. Bishop Greg Rickle always says, we have precisely enough money to do whatever it is that God is calling us to do. We do not always need to focus on more to be successful. If our relationship with all that we have is truly in relation to Jesus and to building up the kingdom of God, often we're being asked how quickly can we give it away to build that kingdom, to not hoard or participate in unjust structures, but to counteract the way in which we've been taught to live to build up the kingdom of God. Now, I actually think that there might be a point of evangelism in the end of all this, even as I rejected that from the offset. We can't start with evangelism and we certainly can never go to conversion, forced or otherwise. Evangelism to me is sharing the good news and being a witness to the goodness of Christ. If we actually can live our lives as individuals and as a community in the way in which Jesus calls us to, then we have a story to tell, a story of how we have been changed by Christ, a story of how Christ manifests in our lives, a story of how we are different and countercultural, a story that is compelling and worth telling over and over and over. It is a story that contains the good news. If we are truly walking the path of Christ, then we have a story of how God has been in our lives. And that is a story we're sharing, not for the sake of bringing others into the fold, 
but for the sake of sharing the light of Christ far and beyond ourselves. Because it is a light that is worth sharing, is a compelling story that begs to be out in the world. During the JCC class this week, I casually mentioned that my sister is Jewish and I am Christian and I kind of moved along. And at one point, someone who didn't know me stopped me and said, can you, you have to tell us what that story is. There was something compelling and interesting, some nugget of truth, curiosity, that begged for that story to be told. Do I think it would make anyone in that room who wasn't Christian a Christian already? Absolutely not. <laughs> and I wouldn't want it to. But fundamentally, the countercultural moment of my family, allowing my sister and me to go our separate ways as children, is a profound moment of God working in our lives and in our family, and a story that is worth sharing. A story that manifests how God can work if we get out of God's way. If we lean in to the uncomfortable places that God calls us, there will be a story so compelling we cannot help but share it. And we will be so moved by Christ that we cannot help but manifest that in the world. If we are bold enough to look at how we are called to reject the status quo as individuals, and as a community, there's a profound reality that we may live into. And perhaps we will participate in the greatest story that there is to share, the story of being in relationship with God. Amen. <laughs>